0: Life Audio.
1: The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com.
0: When there is more love, there will inevitably be less fear. The more we believe and accept God's love for us, the less we live in fear. The more we believe and accept God's love for us, the more we trust him, and the more we trust him, the less we will fear even when life is not going the way that we want. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm really excited for us to wrap up our little mini-series called Fierce Faith on the book of First John. But before we jump in, just so you know, last call, we are starting a new series for Lent starting next week, March 7th. It's called How to Pray. And we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer bit by bit each week. It's going to be awesome. You don't have to do anything to be a part of that. However, this is a time that we are adding a Facebook community and some reading guides and small group questions for you to have for free. Um, all you need to do is Go to nicoleunis.com/slash/how-to-pray, and you can sign up there to receive that study guide and that invitation if you'd like to the Facebook community. Just want to make sure you do that before the end of the week so that you can get the first week's content um, as it releases. So you can go to nicoleunis.com/slash/how-to-pray to sign up for that. If you are already in our Romans group, then you're already signed up. You are all set, and you're going to get that stuff right to your inbox. We love providing extra materials for you, particularly if you want to discuss this with your family or a small group, or you just, you're just you ready to just be a little bit more intentional about the way that you're spending time with God. We want to provide that opportunity for you. And I really believe uh, this series, How to Pray, can change your life because of the way that we can let the Lord's Prayer embed deeply into our soul and kind of know it Um, on a new level. That's my hope for you in this next series. So we're going to start that next week. Can't wait. But today, I'm also sad that we're at the end of our First John series already. It feels like there is so much here to discover, so much that we could study and talk about. But isn't that the way of God's Word? You can be really familiar with a passage in Scripture. You can have looked at it 10 years ago, last year, last month. But because God's Word, it says in Scripture, is alive and active, and because we are alive and active. Every time we come to Scripture, it's like we are new. We are seeing it uh, through a different little facet of life because we're dynamic, we're changing, and Scripture is also dynamic. And so we're able to experience it through the Spirit of God in different ways. So there's so much that we could talk about in 1 John, and we barely, barely scratched the surface. But I want to wrap up today with a couple of little passages from 1 John 4 and from 5, since this is our last week of study. So we're going to be looking at 1 John 4, verses 11 and 12, and then 18 through 21. And then we're going to close with just the last verse in the letter as well. So let me open us up in prayer, and then we are going to go to 1 John chapter 4. If you want to take a deep breath, settle your heart, commit yourself to the next few minutes of Bible study, um, make space in your heart for the Spirit of God to speak to you. Father, we open up our heart to receive your word. Would you give us just ears to hear what you have for us today? And we thank you that the way that you approach us is with love, with lavish love, that we can trust and rely on the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, here we go. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, We also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Skipping down to verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, not what I signed up for. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S T U D Y or visit give.cru.org/study. Again, that's give.cru.org/study. Message and data rates may apply and available to US addresses only. Okay, if you're following along in this passage, you know this should sound really familiar because we read almost verbatim the same set of commands in first John chapter 3 like remember what we talked about at the beginning of this series that what we see in first John is a set of circular themes where John will continue to come back to those same themes over and over again and almost layer in in those themes we see light and darkness we see love and hate and we see this concept of what it means to love because God loved us that's what we see all through this passage and what John really Really wants to make sure is that we have a clear and accurate understanding of what the true doctrine of the faith is. And as we always do in Bible study, we want to make sure that we understand what the passage and the letter meant at the time it was written before we apply it to ourselves for today. And what we know about the context, if we're talking about what the backstory is here in this letter, what we know in this context is there was there was division within the church. And that there were people who were teaching something other than the gospel. And by the way, guys, this happens to this day. It is our responsibility as believers to be shrewd and wise about what we are hearing. And what we know in Scripture, particularly in 1 John, is that John's going to return again and again to the fruit of people's actions, meaning if a person is teaching something, if they are saying and claiming that they live in Christ, you should see it in their actions. And particularly, you should see it in their actions in the way that they love a brother or sister in Christ, like specifically about how we love believers in the church. And what was happening at the time that this was written is that there was actually like a division coming within the church because of teaching that was leading people to leave other believers and to be like, we're not going to associate with you and we're right and you're wrong. And does that sound familiar to anyone? And what we hear is that John's like, listen, you have got to be able to think for yourself about who is actually in Christ. Because it's one thing to just say the words, but it's another to live out that love with actions, truth, and love. Now, some of you might say, well, today we have all of this, like you might be thinking about me and like, how how do we know that we can trust you? Well, you don't, (laughs) because you don't get to see my up-close life. right, You don't get to see the, the actions of my life. Now, hopefully, I'm sharing with you vulnerably and in a way that helps you know I'm trying to live this out just like you are. But one of the reasons that we need our local body of believers, our local church, is because we need models of the faith that we can see in the actions of their life that they have been faithful to Christ. And I, I hope that you have someone in your life, whether that's a grandma or an auntie or an uncle or a youth group mentor or somebody in your life that you can look to, even if you're not super close to them, you can still see that they live their life as a model. I have a particular person in my life, a pastor that I've gotten to know um, just in the last few years, who's later on in life, sort of a semi-retired pastor. And everything about his life just manifest the love of God, including the way that he talks about forgiveness, the way that he receives people, the way that he just moves around with grace and compassion for people. Now, you don't know this person. You You may never know this person because it's not just the lives from people who sit behind a microphone or stand on a stage. Usually, it's actually the lives of people in our local context that we can actually see. This is what it looks like to live out the love of God. So this is why I will always, always say, that you need to be in a local body, a local body of believers as as much as it's possible. And I know that some of you are laid up at home. Some of you are in, you know, in a place where you're not able to drive, you're not able to connect. And that is a wonderful thing that we have this podcast i know that um, i got a message a few months ago from someone in the national guard who was deployed and this was their spiritual grounding place that's amazing and i love that god uses that but overall in our life like as in in the long term of our life we do need to be with face-to-face real believers in our life and praise god that most of us are in a place where we there are believers around us there's believers in our neighborhoods in our schools in our communities and so so if this has been a season where you've kind of fallen away from doing local church, um, I just want to encourage you that you 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 want to be in a community of believers. Now, that might be 10 or 15 people in your life. It might be your extended family plus your neighbors or something like that. It doesn't have to look exactly the same. But the way that we know how to live out our faith and experience love with brothers and sisters is by actually doing it by being in real life with people. And you know what? People are messy and they make mistakes and they're frustrating, but they're real. And God's called us to one another. He's called us to a life where we are with one another. That's what we see over and over again in this passage in John. So let's look at a couple of other... I was not planning on sharing all that. So if somebody needed to hear that today, that was for you because that just came out of nowhere. So there we go. But I I believe it. I believe it to be true. And I believe that is the way that we will reestablish vitality and connection in the church is going to be one local body of believers at a time. That is the way the church advances. That's how God has created us. He's created us for connection, for fellowship, and for friendship. And at the end of the day, there is a limitation to our ability to connect and love one another if the only way we do that is through technology. So I'm going to invite you to try again. If you've left your church, if you've left local church, I want to invite you to try again. Okay, so let's look at a couple things here in this passage that we want to talk about. The first one is this very strong emphasis on fear, right? In verse 18, it says, There's no fear in love. That is a just straight statement and super helpful because if it was a math equation, it would mean that fear and love can never overlap. So the more fear, the less love, the more love, the less fear. And that is an awesome thing to hear. Okay, perfect love actually drives out fear. So not only do fear and love not coexist, but love is actually stronger than fear. So, when there is more love, there will inevitably be less fear. The more we believe and accept God's love for us, the less we live in fear. The more we believe and accept God's love for us, the more we trust Him. And the more we trust Him, the less we will fear, even when life is not going the way that we want. And it says specifically because fear has to do with punishment. Fear is always about us feeling like we're going to get found out, we're going to get caught, we're going to get hurt. And God is like, I am about love for you. And so that even when you suffer, even when life is difficult in the realm of eternity, your soul is secure in the realm of eternity. You will be at peace. And yes, it is difficult to suffer. It is difficult to go through hard times, but it is not because God is far from us. And that is a huge revelation about fear and love. So fierce love requires an ongoing acknowledgement and release of fear. One of the ways that I've learned to grow in my releasing of fear, I have not arrived. I still have fears every day. I find myself in patterns of fear. Um, I find myself burdened and in bondage by fear. But what I've learned is that one of the ways that I can understand when my fear is operating in a way that's not allowing love to lead is by naming the things that only God can handle in my life. There's a lot of things to be, to be scared about, and there's a lot of ways and things that are hard. But there's only certain things that I should be entrusting my, m- myself to. There's only Certain parts of myself can only be entrusted to God. And here's what I wrote. My identity can only be entrusted to God. If I give my identity away to anything other than God, that thing can't hold me up. If I, if I try to wrap my identity in my position, if I try to wrap my identity in people liking me, if I try to wrap my identity in the things that I have or the things that I can do, they, those things can't hold up my identity. It's ultimately going to fail, and I'm going to be fearful that it's going to fail because it's not going to work. Second thing is my soul. My soul cannot be wrapped up in some earthly thing making me feel worthy. The only thing that can handle my soul is God. My calling can't be wrapped up in any earthly thing. Only God can call us. God is the one who moves in our life to draw us into different places and different relationships. And finally, my future. There's nothing that can hold up my future except for God. So anytime I find myself fearing and insecure in my identity or in my soul, if I find myself insecure or fearful in my calling or in my future, that's a reminder That I want to be like, oh, wait a second. I'm giving that stuff away to something that can't carry it. And it's easy to do and it's tempting to do. But all I want to do is acknowledge that. I'm going to acknowledge it to God, confess it to God, release it back to God. And you may need to do this 20 times a day. And then I'm going to be able to say, okay, Lord, I want your love to drive me forward, not fear. And that's just a practice that can help you move from a place of fear to a place of love. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only.
2: Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation.
0: So we know this from this passage that when we are living in and out of love, the test of that is that we're going to be loving people more and more. Now, people, like I said, are frustrating and they fail us and they disappoint us. But if our identity and calling is secure in the Lord and we're like, okay, I want to be a more loving person. I'm going to learn what it looks like to love in truth and to love in grace. And that's going to mean some people are going to like me and some people are not. And it's going to mean that sometimes my relationships feel close, but sometimes they might not. But my love, the source of my love is coming from God. So the source of my love and acceptance is not coming from other people. Do other people provide that? Yes. And it's good and it's wonderful. But if it's my one and only then I'm going to be missing the mark. I want the source of my love to be from God so that my, the, the outpouring of my love comes from that place. Um, that way, I'm not trying to give in order to get. You know what I mean? Sometimes a lot of us are giving out to other people because we want those people to give us something back. And we're thinking, well, if I'm loving enough and if I'm sacrificial enough, then they're going to love me back. And that's just a a toxic thinking pattern because it means that you're only loving people out of a selfish place. You're only loving people because of what you want to get back out of them. What would it look like to just love people out of an overflow? And then whatever they give back to you is just icing on the cake, but you're not loving them from that. And I bet you there are a lot of you on this podcast right now that if you would actually be honest with yourself, there's a whole lot of stuff that you might stop doing if you weren't giving to try to get. And you might you might find that there's relationships that you need to release, and there's ways that you are t- just tiring yourself out, trying to get something out of someone, that it might be time to just release that and to just ask God, like, God, who do you want me to love and how do you want me to love? And I don't have to do it out of this place of striving and fear because of something I'm trying to get back out of someone. I can actually rest in your love and allow you to direct me into love. Now this may be obvious to many of you but it's something to notice in scripture. Jesus has to walk by people with needs in order to go to the people that he heals. Like the even for Jesus our perfect sinless savior when he was confined to a human experience, when he had to eat and sleep and he got weary. He couldn't heal everyone. Like I mean he could have, he could have used his power to heal them but he didn't. He was obedient to the Father. And that means that the the demand for Jesus always exceeded the supply. Think about the the story about the woman who was bleeding, right? Remember she had to push her way through the crowd to grab onto Jesus's cloak. Everyone in that crowd wanted something from Jesus. Do you think that he met every single one of those needs? Well, he met their spiritual need. Because he came to meet all of our spiritual needs, but they had physical needs. They had things that they wanted Jesus to do that he couldn't do. So if we think that we're going to meet every need of every person that's ever been put in our life, we're just, we're mistaken. What we need to do is have a connection to the Father where we're obedient to what God is calling us to do, not what we feel like we have to do, not what we do because of what we're trying to get out of a situation. And out of that place, then you will be able to serve from abundance. You'll be able to serve in a settled way in a confident way, and in a way that does not exceed your own boundaries. Like It'll allow you to give out of what God has given to you. And we have seasons where we have a lot to give, and we have seasons where we have a little bit to give. And if you've only got a little bit to give, then just give your little bit. Give the bit that God has given you to give, and watch him multiply that, because he will. So fierce love requires this ongoing acknowledgement and release of fear. That's what we see in this passage in first John four. And I only have a few more minutes. I want to wrap us up because you know, I love beginning and endings of letters and, and books in the Bible because they point us to something important. And particularly at the end of first John, this one is so interesting because it feels like a real Left turn. Like it just it doesn't even feel like it belongs a the letter and I think it's important to point it out. So it's first John five, verse twenty one. And right at the end after these same themes that we've seen all through the letter, at the very end it says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Like that's like that's like John's last word. He's like light and darkness and love and hate and loving your brothers and sisters and it's like OPS. Oh, hey, this is still a thing. This is still a thing that you need to be concerned about. You need to be aware of You've got to keep yourself from idols. And this is my last thought for you from the book of 1 John. We have got to keep our spiritual house in order because God is very exclusive about his positioning in our hearts. We talked about things only God can handle. God can handle our identity, our soul, our calling, our future. When we get confused about what can handle that, we sort of reorder our loves in a way that doesn't work. And if the first and top positioning in our heart is not God, anything else that hits that first and top positioning is an idol. And your idol might be your ministry, your church, your children, your spouse. A lot of times our idols are good things. But when good things take top priority in our heart and we begin to link our identity and the way that we decide if life is worth living to those things— We have got out of order. We are not in order. Our spiritual house is chaotic. Our spiritual house is messy. And God is very, very clear that only one can sit on the throne of our hearts. And he is that one. Isaiah 42, 8 says it this way. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. God is very inclusive in his invitation to find life in him but he is very exclusive about his positioning in your heart. He says and demands the number one priority in our hearts, not for his good, but for our good. (laughs) The reason that God gives us such a strong command about idols, such a strong command about the exclusiveness of giving him priority in our hearts is it's because it's the way that we were designed to live. It is our wiring. It's like our water, If one of your children said, I'm going to stop drinking water, I'm only going to drink Coke from now on, you would be like, child, no, your body runs on water. Your body needs water. You cannot have Coke as a replacement for water because the fundamental essential way that your body functions is on water. God is like, I'm not going to let you put Coke on the throne of your heart. I'm not going to let you put something inferior on the throne of your heart and then allow that inferior thing to create destruction in your life because I am the Lord, that is my name, I will not yield my praise to another. I will not yield my positioning to an idol because you will fall apart. And so for all of us, when we feel like we're falling apart, one of the ways that we can acknowledge what might be happening in us is to ask, have I put and wrapped my identity in something other than God? And can I ask God to just repent of that and ask God to fill that part of my heart and reposition himself as the Lord of my life so that I can receive his love and receive his life as he intended it. it is a beautiful thing. And guess what, guys, this isn't something that you're never going to struggle with. We're probably all going to struggle with this on different levels all through our life. So rather than trying to ask yourself, if I struggle with this, you might want to say, when I struggle with this, How am I going to get God back where he belongs in my heart? And that might be a daily practice. Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life today. And all of these other loves that threaten to want to take priority in my heart, I'm going to lay those down before you, and I'm going to allow you to be the Lord of my life. Try that. See how that works for you. I bet you're going to experience a deep peace and a great love, even in the midst of hard things, to know that God is at the rightful place in your heart and that he loves you. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Everything you love comes out of his love for you. His love for you is wide and long and high and deep, and you can never outrun it. You can never get away from it. You can never out-sin it. God is for you. Amen? Amen. Talk to you guys next week.
1: Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer Stephen McGarvey and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out our website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site, in today's show notes.
2: Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today?
1: Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take. But I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast?
2: I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage.
1: We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together.
2: To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.